You are listening to episode 182 of the Peaceful Mind Podcast. Welcome to the Peaceful Mind Podcast, a place for creating the peace of mind you need to be the best mom you are created by God to be. If you want to bring more balance, more joy, and more peace to your motherhood, this is the place for you. I'm your host, Certified Life Coach and Catholic Mom, Danielle Tienel. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, let's get started. Welcome everyone back to the podcast. I am so excited about my guest today and especially on the topic because I know it's something that you ask me about for help all the time. And so I today have brought on an expert. It's Emily Hamblin. She is a mom to four children aged one to 12, former foster mom to 27 kids and certified teacher that's worked with more than a thousand kids across the globe. Working closely with neurodivergent, highly sensitive, and other emotionally intense children has given her the opportunity to apply and develop out-of-the-box, compassionate tools to better help all children to navigate their emotions. She is passionate about helping moms to have more peace at home and better relationships with their child so their children can have a brighter future. Wow. Welcome to the podcast, Emily. Thank you, Danielle. I am so excited to be here. I am so happy to have you because as my listeners know, I really do focus on how moms feel a lot of the times. And so today I know we're going to have a little focus on how our children are feeling and about how we can better handle that. So um, I get asked all the time when um, when I'm helping my moms Again, that question, but how can I now translate what I know and to help my children? So hopefully you're here to help add some understanding and clarity to that today. Awesome. Sounds amazing. So let's just start with that amazing bio. Can you just tell me like how, you know, what a little bit about your journey or your family and about helping those 27 foster kids and really why you are now the expert to help us today? Well, this is always the hardest question, isn't it? Okay, tell me about your last 30 plus years in the next two minutes. That's right. <laughs> um, no, I just had always loved children. Like I started babysitting when I was 10, which now that I have a 12 year old, I think that's crazy that I was <laughs> babysitting at 10. But I really have always loved children. I'm the youngest of five. Maybe it's because I didn't have younger siblings. I don't know. But um, like, Throughout college, I went straight for an education degree, never changed my major, just stuck right on track for being a teacher. My summers off, I went to Australia where my parents were living and I worked in daycares during the summers off. I volunteered in preschools. I was tutoring at the local middle schools. Like I worked with children of all ages from all sorts of different backgrounds. And it was amazing. I was thriving as a teacher. I was receiving amazing reviews every time I got reviewed, pretty much. Of course, there's always that exception in there. But it was just this incredible experience. I was sure when I became a mom that it would all just transfer right over, right? Working with kids, working with kids, except, you know, to me at that point in my life, the biggest difference was like, I'd always loved kids, but when they were my kids, it was like intensified, just the fierce love that I had. And I have a history of infertility. My first pregnancy was a miscarriage. My second pregnancy, which is my oldest son, he, um, 
he was high risk for the first 14 weeks and almost a miscarriage, five more consecutive miscarriages. And then I had my last three children. So I don't know if I would feel like that fierce connection to them anyways, probably, but just this like really intense, oh my goodness, I love these children and I want what's best for them. But motherhood was hard. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it definitely is. The first few years were easier than I thought. Terrible twos were fine. And my child's meltdown started at like three and four and then they kept going on and then it kept going on. And I had this like seven, eight, nine year old who's still melting down intensely. And of course I just thought it was me doing something wrong or my kids messed up or there's this big problem here. And um, especially working with so many different kids, I would think, okay, when my foster kids were melting down, they had this history of abuse and neglect that my children didn't have. And so I would think, well, you don't have the same reasons that they had. Why are you melting down? It was was acceptable when they were, right? But why are you melting down like this? All of the thoughts we have in our head, right? And um, in any case, I, I just remember feeling so alone and like this hot mess. And I had all these tools to control children's behavior in the classroom. And when I would try to control my own child's behavior, like let's say at dinner time, I have my kids clear their plate from dinner and I know I could just do it myself. I think it's a good skill to learn. Asking my kid to clear their plate at like six years old, to me, I don't think it should be a big deal. And when they're screaming at me over it, I'm not clearing my plate. I think, you know, pulling on my teacher tools. Okay, what can I do to get them to clear their plate? And I totally missed so much just trying to translate teaching to parenting and not even just speaking to teachers, but I feel like that's what we grow up in society is that we as parents are supposed to get our children to behave a certain way. So let me just, um, yeah, let me ask you here, because this is, I think is a really key for the listeners to hear. You were asking yourself, what can I do? You're looking at your teaching strategies, right? What can I do to get my child to act differently or because they're frustrated, right? And then you're frustrated. Absolutely. And our brain grabs for action-oriented things. Is this what was happening? Of course. So my kid's not clearing their plate and they're screaming at me. And so I want to get them to stop screaming and to clear their plate. And then my stress level is so high at this point in time that I'm just going to go to the way that I was parented, which means I'm going to yell at them. Mm -hmm. And then when that doesn't work, then I start to scream at them. And then I start to threaten them. And the threats don't even make sense sometimes. Like, if you don't clear your plate, then we're not going to go to the park this weekend. Like, what in the world does a park have to do with a plate? (laughs) But at the moment, I just want that plate cleared. Like, I can't even see anything outside of that. Emily, so many of us can relate to this. I know lots of moms are listening and shaking their head and going, yep, yep. That's exactly how it goes down in our house too. And then of course, Danielle is, you know, the guilt and the shame and it just, everything was layering on. So when I went through this journey of understanding that my children aren't broken, they're not messed up. I might be a hot mess, but it's okay. There's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with me and there's nothing wrong with them. And then also learning how to actually help them. Okay. How can we get that plate into the sink and my child being the one doing it without the screaming and without all of the heavy emotions and without me feeling like this rotten mom that's scaring my child in the process? Like, okay, what can we do to get that to happen? What I know is that every mom who's hearing you say, okay, you asked your question, you asked yourself that question. Okay, how can I get them to do this? 
Now everyone is saying, okay, yes, I want to know that. I want to know how. So what is the first step? This is what I like. I, you may be giving us several, but I'm just, again, want to show what was the very first step? Because we want, the whole point of this um, topic is that we want to be of help when our children are, um, you know, in anxiety or in frustration or they're mad and they're angry or they're sad. Like we want to, our mother hearts want to help them. And we don't always get that help right. We we default, like you said, to some old ways and patterns or or thinking, like you said, that was a perfect example of, of putting out like this consequence that was totally disconnected with what you were trying to accomplish. So what is the first step to helping our children navigate their big, heavy emotions? Well, it's exactly the work that you're doing, Danielle. It's to work on ourselves. Um, I need to be able to show up the way that I want to, which for me is calm in control. I might not be happy about the fact that they're not clearing their plate. I might not love the fact that one of my kids is kicking another or scratching them on the face or that a child has just lied to me. I might not enjoy it, but I want to show up calm. I want to show up in control and I want to show up really compassionate and curious. Those are usually my defaults. They're all C's. So it's easy for me to remember in the moment. And they they happen to be what I focus on too, which is the calm (laughs) in control and confident. So I love it. Yeah. And so if I'm able to do that, which I know is the work that you do with moms, and it's so important, that honestly is like 70% of it. That right. even if my kid is screaming and throwing this incredible tantrum right now, and even if they're 11 years old, and I don't think that they should continue to do this because that's in my mind a toddler behavior, that I can still show up the way that I want to. And that's that's so huge because not only am I feeling better, but biologically, our children have those mirror neurons going on. And so when they see somebody showing up calm, when they're freaking out, it is suggesting to their brain, okay, maybe this isn't an emergency. Maybe I don't need to be doing this. You know, they probably still will, but it's going to at least stop pouring gasoline on the fire. Yeah. So wonderful. Exactly. You're right. What I want my moms to see is that when we are looking outside of ourselves to what's going on, the circumstance in front of us, which is, you know, our, and our, our child that we want to then redirect our focus on where we have the most power, which is within our own self. So, and I love that you brought up that statistic. It's like 70% of the problem, right? In that if we have, what I teach my moms is if you've got to be feeling better, because when we feel better, we do better. So in this instance, like you're talking about, that's exactly correlates to saying that if you were coming from a calm place and you felt in control, even if your child isn't, then you're going to have the the mind to be able to problem solve and to show up more of how you want to, to kind of like feel and think clearly. Yes, absolutely. Because when we have our stress or our anger or our frustration, whatever we're feeling, it's too high. We don't even have any of that logical thinking available to us. And that's why, of course, we're going to go into the default. Of course, we're going to start to yell. Of course, we're not making sense with our consequences because we don't have access to all of that logic. So that compassion piece, of course, I'm acting like this. It's it's yeah. what I know how to do in the moment. And let's learn new skills to be able to act differently. Okay. So why do you, so this is a, this is a different way of communicating with your child in the midst of when the 
the big circumstances taking place, right? So why do you believe that how we behave in communicating to them is is necessary? Well, um, like I said, it's going to be a lot more effective. First of all, we're going to be a bit more logical. We can remember tools and everything that we've learned. And we can also see more of a big picture whenever our effective filters lower and our stress levels down a little more. It's also really important that we see our children's behavior as communication. So instead of seeing it as a problem, right? Instead of seeing this problem that my child is not clearing their plate or seeing it as defiance or seeing it as disrespect or all of the other things that my brain loves to tell me that my child is doing in that moment, what that um, behavior is meaning, I can try to use it to see that my child is telling me something and they're not telling me, I hate you. Even if they're saying the words, I hate you, they're probably communicating something else. They're probably communicating, I'm feeling really stressed right now. Or my anxiety about school tomorrow is really high and I don't know how to handle it. Or I'm super frustrated that I have to turn off the TV because I really like this show and I don't know how to handle that frustration yet. Okay, so I'm I'm seeing this now because, of course, I'm taking all of this in to be able to, to implement it myself in my own family. So there's this aspect of how we communicate to them, which means if we're showing up in a higher feeling better, like more calm control, we are going to communicate to them differently. But now what I love is what you're saying, which is just like the, the shift of perspective, right? The, the mind shift that when we look at our kids like acting out or feeling big emotions and we, we see that that's coming from, you know, like negative emotions, you want us to stop and pause and look at like, oh, they're not just misbehaving, they're communicating something us, or at least they're trying to. It might not be clear, it could be a little muddy, but if we were to ask our question, what are they really, really trying to say? Is Am I getting this right? Yes. As I'm trying to learn the steps yeah, too? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been mind-blowing for me because I have one child that has a highly sensitive nervous system, and I didn't know what that used to mean. I have two children that I had no idea have ADHD and autism. So we have a lot of neurodiversity going on, different wiring of brains. I didn't know this for years. For years, all that I knew was that my children's emotions were really, really intense. Now I understand some of the reasons why, but even without that diagnosis, we can kind of get a bit curious. Um, I usually have clients look at six different areas of why is my child melting down or being disrespectful or misbehaving in whatever way we want to call it. Um, there's usually one of six root causes and then we could break them down into other areas like perhaps there's um, a lagging skill that our child has or an underdeveloped ability in the area of cognitive abilities. I have one child that when I give this child a lot of information at once, especially information he needs to remember or things that he needs to do, he will often scream. And for years, I thought it was just because he didn't want me to tell him what to do and that he was just misbehaving and trying to get out of doing it, which granted he might not like what I was telling him to do, but the screaming was because his mind is like an amazing computer, but you know how some really amazing computers, you give them too many commands at once, they freeze. Yes. That's what would happen with him. But when he freezes, he screams. That was his reaction. And when, yeah. and when that connection for you was made, I can imagine that it just 
like just stopped you in your tracks or changed everything? It blew my mind. And um, we have a lot. I have another child who whenever I catch him, he's really, um, what's the word? He's a really curious child. He loves to learn and he loves to explore. And so I might catch him like on my work computer trying to hack the password again or um, trying to take apart like a cell phone or like just he's a really curious child. And if I find him doing one of those things and I go, what are you doing? If I say it just like that, he will melt down. He will instantly start screaming at me. No, go away. What are you doing? Like, I don't like you. Go away. All of the words and all of the things. And he's he might even start throwing punches or pushing me or kicking me. And I'm not saying that I need to be happy that he's doing those things. But if I can, maybe in that moment, I don't have time to get curious. But if he's doing this all the time, and 99% of the time he has that reaction, when I say, what are you doing? When he's doing something he probably knows he shouldn't be doing. um, I can get curious, like, well, why is he reacting like that? And for this particular child, I've learned that it's because it would send him into fight or flight. Mm-hmm. He would feel threatened just from my tone of voice. He wouldn't even hear the words I was saying. The tone of voice and my facial expression communicated danger to him. And so he would instantly put up his defenses, run into that fight mode. And now I know if I come to him and say, hey, what are you doing? That he might give me this little face of, oops, I did it again. And then we can have a conversation and work on you know, redirecting those thoughts when they come up, like I should get on mom's computer. Oh, you know, that sneaky thought came in again. So that example, the example you just gave, that just shows that you are now showing up as a whole different mom in regards, but really what it was, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is just how I'm seeing the similarity with my own clients out there who are suffering with things that they are, they're just grasping at how to progress, um, and they're not seeing those changes because there's just some information that they don't know. So it sounds like to me, like you were just going along, doing what you could, trying, believing what was would work or making assumptions about your child until you came to this, this piece of knowledge that broke open your brain, like you said, like your brain blew open. And, and now with that knowledge, you can, you now feel equipped to be able to handle then the situations that come your way, which is pretty much kind of what I am, am trying to communicate to moms out there that there's just some knowledge and tools and strategies that you just like, nothing's wrong with you. Yeah. Nothing's broken. You don't need to be fixed. There's not that you're missing a certain like, you know, special something that all the other moms out there have. It's literally that you don't have this certain piece of knowledge that can equip you, which is what I think life coaching does and why we urge, you know, what we have to offer. It's almost like you just don't know what you don't know, but when you do, it changes everything. What do you, what do you think about that? Oh, I love it. And I absolutely agree that um, a lot of times it's not that we're not cut out to be moms, even though those are thoughts that I definitely have had more than once. Um, You're a human being and have a human brain. So thank you. Very human. But yeah, this idea of that there's resources that I don't yet have access to, or I haven't yet figured out how to do this. And, and we can, we can keep that growth mindset. And it's, 
so much more hopeful and empowering. Yeah. So, so what can we do? What can, what can we do to help our children learn to better handle negative emotions? Well, we have the, the importance of working on ourselves, trying to understand what's really going on for our children. And that's, it's all a process. Of course, there's a lot of tools that make it easier to understand. And that's a lot of the work that we do in enlightening motherhood. But, um, you know, one big thing is that when our children are feeling what we typically think of as negative emotions, loneliness, frustration, disappointment, sadness, etc., that instead of thinking of how can I take that away from them, we can think, how can I empower my child to handle it? Hey, that's so good because you know, each mom, that's what we want to do. We want to immediately take it away from them and sure. not let them be sad and hurry up. What we say that we just want our children to be happy. So now you're saying instead of that, we want to focus on. On emotional resilience. Okay. And we do that by. By allowing them to experience the emotion that's difficult for them to experience so that they can gain the ability to handle it. And especially if you have children that are melting down or that have those intense emotions, you can often find patterns. They tend to melt down every day after school. Okay, well, why? Let's get curious. Are they overstimulated? Is there something social going on? Is the teacher saying things that the child is misinterpreting? And there's a lot of different reasons. Let's get curious about this. Um, one mom that I spoke with recently had a child that was too embarrassed to use the restroom during school. And so this child would have an after-school meltdown every day because their bladder hurt, right? Mm-hmm. And so getting curious, but then empowering the child. Okay, it's hard for you to use the restroom during school or your friends at school don't want to play with you at recess. Me of 10 years ago, I would have wanted to like march straight to that school and tell that teacher, you need to tell my kid that he has to go to the restroom or you need to make sure that all the kids are playing with my kid at recess or you need to, you know, take away all of those hard things for my kid because I love my kid and I don't want my kid to go through hard things. But now I realize that's not setting them up for success in life because then we're going to have teenagers that can't handle um, social, what's the word? like feeling um, socially awkward. We'll say that they can't handle it. And so then they're going to turn to other behaviors too. Instead of dealing with feeling socially awkward, they're going to turn to numbing behaviors. They might overuse social media, pornography, drugs. Like those are going to pile on because that's easier than dealing with it as a teenager, as a young adult, as a mom or dad themselves. Because right now in their childhood, this is a, this is a really good learning lab for them to get ready for life and learning to handle those hard things. Not that we want to set our kids up for them. Not that I want to go to their friends and say, Hey, you should sit, you should spread rumors about my daughter at school this week. Right. But instead when they happen, cause they will, mm-hmm. how can I empower my child to handle this? Yeah. So what I'm hearing, especially with what you just said right there was that, I mean, obviously all of us are in a pattern of reaction, right? We can look back on how, we immediately want to jump into the action and to make it, you know, fix it and make them feel better as soon as possible. But what I'm hearing you say is that to add some pause, some room, and then to get curious and ask questions like, I wonder why they're feeling that way. I wonder what they're thinking. This is how I've 
kind of moved with my own children when I would get the the email that my child like they would say it was talking and it was disrespectful to the teacher. And then I would, I would be like you, I'd be like, he's not disrespectful. He's just a social and likes to talk with his friends. Kind of like I would want to go on the defense, but then I learned, like, I wanted to find out um, and ask questions of him. When he came home, I was like, tell me what happened. Like, I wanted to hear his thoughts Mm -hmm. or like, why, why did you want to talk to them at that moment? Right. And you just got a little bit more information than you're like, you can more so see that their brain wasn't going, I want to intentionally disrespect this teacher. He just wanted, you know, like you say, like if they're watching a show that they really like, you know, he had something, an idea that was really exciting or funny that he really wanted to share with his friend at the time. But I just encourage, and and maybe this is part of your work too, to tell my moms to, to try and take a pause before we react. And then as much as you can find out what your child is thinking. Is that something you would? um... For sure. And sometimes we won't know what they're thinking. And so that's when I personally, Mm -hmm. I'll make up a temporary story that's really generous, that's giving my child the benefit of the doubt. And I think, okay, so if my kid is not being bad right now, um, and let's say I just, um, it's their birthday party and we have all these friends over and I'm really excited for this huge gift and I saved it for last and I pull it out and they open up this huge gift and it's not what they wanted. And then they start to scream at me and they say, this isn't what I wanted or they're crying. And I'm going to have all these thoughts. Like you are so ungrateful. Like that, you know, I, I went through doing all of this work for you. I went through throwing this party. I have all of your friends here. How could you do this? You know, can't you just be grateful for what you have? And I'm going to think that my child's acting like Dudley and Harry Potter, if you know the Harry Potter series. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm going to be triggered by that probably. Um, those are all of the knee-jerk thoughts that I would probably have. But I love your advice here, Danielle, to pause. And I probably can't ask my child in the middle of this birthday party what's going on. But I can pause and just go, my child was probably expecting something else. And they're feeling disappointed. I can just ask myself this question. If my child's not trying to be bad, if they're not intentionally misbehaving, what else could be going on? And that might not be the case. Like maybe something else was going on. Maybe they were just overstimulated and had to let it out somehow. I don't know. But at that point in time, I can just make up a really kind, compassionate story to get us through the moment and process with it, process it with them later. Okay. And then let's say that what you have assumed is true, that they, they are just feeling the feeling of disappointment. Then how do you, as the mom, maybe not again, not in the moment at that party, but maybe they're still showing disappointment. Then how would you help them process and allow and, um, having disappointment, like as the mom helping a child who's disappointed in that moment, I love your idea of a story. Um, now that's may might be more for to help you. <laughs> but again, if I'm putting the focus on the child of helping them get through disappointment and trying not to take it away from them. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Am I yes. saying that right? Okay. Absolutely. So going to that scenario with the birthday party, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously with everyone around staring at our child, that's not the time. If maybe they just look disappointed during that party, everyone leaves and then they start to scream at me and they're melting down. That's still not the time to really work with them on it. That's just a time to be there for them because Uh, they have, 
you know, I use this analogy with a fist. I think this was um, Dan Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson in their book, The Whole Brain Child. I love it. Uh, they use a fist with the thumb tucked underneath the fingers as an analogy for the brain. Mm. And then when we flip our lid and we put our four fingers in the air, that that's our prefrontal cortex or our upstairs brain. It's offline. We yes. can't access it. And so our kids at that point in time, they flip their lid. They're just in that survival brain. None of our logic will matter. It's it's completely cut off from them. And so waiting until they're in a more calm state, then we can talk with them like, oh, man, how that was a really rough time. So I'm not going to come to them with judgment. Like, why were you behaving like that? Or how in the world could you treat me like that? Or why could you say that after all that I do for you? I want to come really neutral and I want to come really compassionate. I don't have to agree with them. I just need to not show up with judgment and attacks or else they're going to get defensive and we're not going anywhere. Right. So I can just show up really neutral. Like, oh man, that was a really rough time after your party when everyone left. Oh, it seemed like it was really, really hard for you. Do you want to talk about it? I love right. this. I love this because you're showing me like timing is important. This is where again, when we want to fix everything and, um, in the moment, but there is still time to learn and, um, and to be effective and to help your child, even if it's not right then in the moment. Yes. Use it. That is so good, Emily. Thank you. And so, yeah, just showing up and kind of sitting with them, like letting them talk about it and not judging them, even if they're behaving or thinking differently than we would, Mm -hmm. giving them that freedom and not even trying to control their thoughts or their emotions, just allowing it to be. And then maybe at the end, they just wanted to vent. Maybe they're feeling better already. Maybe they just wanted someone to sit with them because we're humans and we, we crave connection. Maybe they do want advice. And in general, like if your child tends to have incredibly intense emotions every time they're expecting one thing and another thing happens, we call that a prediction error. If that tends to cause like a meltdown or some sort of um, explosion or implosion where they shut off, um, then we know that that's excellent communication. What they're telling us is they need help building up the skill to handle prediction errors when they come. And so we would proactively, not in any moment, actually like outside of the moment, find ways to build up their skills to handle prediction errors. So fascinating. I know that moms listening will love all that you have offered here today. And if any of them right now, because I'm sure they're still sort of, you know, hearing and digesting it, if they feel like they're stuck thinking like, this is all so great, you know, but I don't even know where to begin. So what is like one action that my audience can take today to start helping their kids navigate their emotions? I would say you are already doing such amazing work with them on handling their own emotions, Diana, or Danielle, not Diane, sorry. That's Danielle. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, that's actually my mom's name. So that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, but yeah, you're already doing amazing with that. So I would recommend that they just start to consider the root cause of their children's behavior. If we can shift our lens from my child is misbehaving or being naughty or whatever narrative that is naturally there. And of course it's there because that's how we were raised. And that's what our society is telling us all the time. But if we can shift that narrative to my child is trying to communicate something to me. And what is the root cause of that behavior? What's going on? If this is an iceberg, I'm only seeing the tip. What's underneath the tip of that iceberg? 
and to try to identify that, that will give so much more power into your parenting. It will help with your relationship with your child and it will help you stay calm because it's this big circle, right? That's an amazing strategy. Thank you for that. You've also graciously brought a free resource for my listeners. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, this is, I mentioned that I've broken down into six areas that are likely causing the intense emotions or meltdowns for children. And so if they want to grab a cheat sheet that has that all broken down for them, they can do that at enlighteningmotherhood.com forward slash freebies. Yes. And I also have that link and more uh, links to your website and how they connect with you on Instagram and Facebook. They can, that all can be found in the show notes of this episode. Um, so, and before we go, I just want to mention one more thing to our listeners who are actually hearing this podcast the week that it is coming out, which is August of 2023. I had to, I had to pause there and think, I'm like, what year is it? Where are we? Cause you know, summer brain, it has a little, oh, I, bit, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you who are listening to this any later than August of 2023, um, then you will still have access to that, that freebie that Emily mentioned. But um, I want to talk about you are running a, a summit and I'm actually one of the guest speakers in it. So there's still time to sign up and it offers lots of help for moms, which I'm always wanting to offer my listeners, my moms as much help as possible. So just want to tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. It's a Raising Emotionally Healthy Families Summit. They can opt in for free at emotionallyhealthyfamilies.com. And I am just thrilled for it. We have around 30 experts like yourself and other amazing people. Um, We have everyone coming together to help us talk about how we can help our children with their emotional regulation, how we can help parents. Um, We have occupational therapists. We have Um, neurodiverse specialists. We have psychologists. We have just a lot of life coaches across the board um, coming together and giving this really comprehensive package to help us out with raising our family, not necessarily in a way that our children will always be happy, but that we can be emotionally healthy. That is so great. I am so pleased to be a part of that too. Um, Thank you for that invitation. It's really going to help so many people. And as she mentioned the link, you didn't have to write it down. There is one that you would also find in the show notes. All um, the links to everything we talked about on the podcast today can be found there. So Emily, thank you so much for coming on the Peaceful Mind podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. All right, everyone. Until next week, peace be with you always. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Peaceful Mind Podcast. Are you ready to take everything I teach you here and put it to work for your own life? To really learn how to have peace of mind no matter what is happening around you? If so, I'd love to have you as a client. As your coach, this is where you'll get personal and focused time on your own mind using life coaching tools, concepts, and proven life-transforming wisdom, all through a faith-filled lens. To learn more about how we can work together, come on over to daniellettienel.com. There, you'll see how to sign up for a free coaching consult and learn how to get started. Until next time, peace be with you always.